Lord, this morning as we are gathered here, we come into this place with lots of emotions and lots of fear and lots of things to celebrate. Each one of us, God, needs you in different ways and for different reasons. We trust this morning, Lord, that your words would speak to us, that you would find us where we're at, and that you would give us what we need. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to preach this morning from what my kids always tease me that every passage is my favorite passage. But the reality is, outside of the resurrection story of Jesus and the resurrection story of Lazarus and some of the name changing that happens in the Bible, this is my favorite story. This is the one that kind of shapes my theology. This is the one that I basically preach every week in some form or fashion because it's meant so much to me uh, to have a new look at it. And I feel like every time I read it, um, I'm reminded of some really powerful things that are for me, but also things that I can share with you. And uh, I did not get enough sleep last night. My daughter went to prom, and so um, I just didn't get enough sleep, and I'm feeling kind of emotional. So I hope that uh, you hear the words that I'm saying more than see the emotion that I share with you, okay? So just ignore it if I have to pause and like catch my breath, or if my voice starts sounding weird. It's not that I have a frog in my throat, it's that I'm trying to fight back tears because just feeling it this morning. Especially uh, this story, it just, it's just so beautiful. So there was this guy, John the Baptist, he was Jesus' cousin, and uh, the way I picture him is he had long hair, and we're told that he wore camel's fur, and ate honey, and locusts, and was just kind of a wild man, but he he had a very specific sermon that he would preach all the time. And this was it. Prepare the way of the Lord. By repenting of your sins and recognizing that God's grace will help you start all over again. Prepare the way of the Lord. Be baptized. Repent of your sins. And let's start all over again. Make straight the crooked paths. And let's do that. Like that was the same thing over and over. And I don't know what he was doing, but... Like, we are told that lots and lots and lots of people would walk out into the desert to hear this wild man prophet preach, and then he would baptize them. So one day, he was out preaching and baptizing people, and he's telling them, basically, like, there's one who's coming who whose sandals I'm not worthy of even stooping down to tie. He's that big of a deal. And at that time... Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize him. And John tried to stop him and said, I need to baptize by you, yet you come to me? And Jesus answered, allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus, and when Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water, and heaven was opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove or a pigeon and resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This, this is my Son, whom I dearly love. And I... Find happiness in him. Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness 
so that the devil might tempt him. And after Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And may God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. And may God give us wisdom and courage as we try to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. This story is so beautiful to me for a lot of reasons. And I think we can all find ourselves in this story in some way. So first of all, You've got Jesus coming out to be baptized. He's got something that he wants to do, that he is being led to go do. And he comes out and he says to John, Hey, John, this is what you need to do for me. You need to baptize me. And John says, Wait a second, I have a better idea. Which is the way we all kind of interact with Jesus sometimes, right? Like, we say to Jesus, Listen, you can have my life, you can have my whole breath I want to serve you. I want to serve your kingdom. I want to do the things that you want for me to do. And then when Jesus says something to us, we're like, hang on a second, I got a better idea. And it never works out good for you, by the way, if you do that. But what ends up happening is your life gets messed up because the Spirit of God descends. That word that is translated dove literally is the exact same word for pigeon. Now, we translate it dove because we think doves are pretty and pigeons are ugly, right? But I really like the idea that Jesus is baptized. So John gives up. He's like, okay, whatever. Whatever you need, I'm going to do it. He baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the water. The heavens open, and the Spirit of God descends like a pigeon. And the reason I like pigeons is because they're everywhere. They are everywhere. If there are people around, there are pigeons around. And they're gross, and they make a mess of all of the things we want. You can put those little spikes. I promise I saw this one time. St. Paul United Methodist Church in Abilene, Texas was having a pigeon problem. There were pigeons all over that church, and the roof was looking kind of gross because of all the pigeons. And so they put like those little spikes and stuff up to try to keep the pigeons from landing places. They didn't want them to land And the pigeons were so accurate that they could come down slowly and still land there. We cannot stop the Spirit of God from landing where the Spirit of God wants to land. Whether that's in your life or on your life. Whether that's working with your plans or making a mess of your plans. The Spirit of God is going to do what the Spirit of God is going to do. And it's best for us just to surrender and go with the flow. It stinks though. Because sometimes the Spirit of God leaves you from freaking paradise of Las Cruces, New Mexico to Albuquerque, New Mexico. You know what I mean? But the most beautiful thing about this story is that the Spirit of God leads Jesus to be baptized. And when he comes up, he is given a name. This is my son. And whom I am well pleased. And this child of mine brings me great joy. One of the saddest things that we can think about in this world is that there are actual human beings like us who have never heard that phrase. Who have never heard, this is my child, from their mom or their dad, who I dearly love. 
There are people who've never heard their parents say, I dearly love you, and you bring me so much joy and happiness. That's why simple things like water and baptism matter so deeply because it's in the waters of baptism, whether it's submersion, whether it's pouring, whether it's sprinkling, whatever, that we find out again that God loves us and there is nothing we can do about it. Because baptism isn't an act of salvation. Chris doesn't get to go to heaven now because he was baptized. Chris's faith was already strong enough that he was going to be led to heaven anyway. This was just an act of us recognizing God's grace covers us in a shocking way. And God's love surrounds us in a shocking way even when we can't remember it. So Jesus comes up out of the water and God reminds him and us that he is loved and there is joy found through him by God. God finds joy in you. I hope you believe that. I hope it's more than believing. I hope you know it. I hope it's like seeped into your pores and to every fiber of your being that God finds joy in you. About a year and a half ago, I got to go to Los Angeles and spend some time uh, with Father Greg Boyle at Homeboy Industries. And you probably remember because I couldn't stop talking about it for like ever. But one of the things that I heard was a story about uh, one of the homeboys who works at Homeboy Industries was telling a story about going and seeing his mom in the hospital. And his mom was supposed to be sleeping and she kept looking at him. And smiling, and he was like, Mom, close your eyes, go to sleep. And so she would close her eyes, and then he would look, and she'd be like this, one eye open, like peeking over at him and smiling. And Greg Boyle said, that's how God looks at us. That God cannot stop looking at us and smiling. If, if, if there were other gods, God's like, hey, look at my kid. Look at my kid. Look at my kid. So happy. But the enemy, our deceiver, the, the adversary that comes against us, wants us to forget that. That's the main thing. Like The first move that our adversary makes upon Jesus' baptism is to ask Jesus, to invite Jesus to question whether or not Jesus is a child of God. He says, if you are the Son of God... Command these stones to turn into bread. If you are. Jesus is starving. He's hungry. He's, he's literally dying of hunger. And the tempter finds the weakness, like the weakest point that Jesus has, and uses that to cause, cause or tries to, invites Jesus to question his identity. And if we think about our own lives... That's exactly where our enemy attacks us. Is at our weakest point. Where we're starving the most. If we're starving for success and we finally find it, the tempter will say, see, you didn't need all that. You did it on your own. 
if we're struggling for whatever reason, we start to doubt like, oh my gosh, is God even with me in this process? This is hard. If we get a, if we get notice from a doctor that we've got some sort of illness that we never ever wanted to get, the tempter will come in and start to cause us to wonder like, why can't I be healed? Other people are healed. When the Spirit of God descends like a pigeon and makes a mess of all of your plans and sends you and your family to Albuquerque, it's easy for me to be afraid and to think that I need to tighten up and buckle down and make sure everything's in order exactly as I think it needs to be, David, for my family to be safe and secure. When the reality is, God is in control and has us and is going to be with us. But what we do is we buy into it. Right? Like, we make a big mistake. We lose our temper. We make a bad grade. We teach a terrible lesson. We don't follow through on a promise. We treat some a customer poorly or we're the customer who treats an employee poorly and the next thing we know we're doubting whether or not we actually are deserving of the love that we receive and the next thing we know we forget that we are children of God and that that is what defines us and then it starts to spiral but what Jesus did And what we have the power to do through the Holy Spirit is resist that. I don't know if you noticed, when I baptized Chris, I said, in the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. We are created by God who loves us. We are redeemed by Jesus who showed us how to love, showed us how to live, showed us how to die, and showed us how to continue living. And then we are sustained by the Holy Spirit. So when those moments come and you start thinking that your name is something other than what it is, you can know that the Holy Spirit will give you strength. My baptism story is this. I was in second grade. Mrs. Anita Dunn was my teacher. Her husband's name was Ross, and he was the pastor of First Methodist Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico, where all the country club people went. I didn't go to that church. I ended up working there as an adult later on, but I didn't go to that church. I went to Epworth United Methodist Church, which was about about a block away from my house. On my way to school, in the mornings, I would walk past Sunset Church of Christ. I'd walk past Epworth United Methodist Church. I would cross one street with the crossing guard's help, Earl. Earl was my crossing guard. He would cross me safely into the parking lot of Blodgett Street Baptist, and then he would cross me safely to Sunset Elementary School, where the smartest, best-looking kids went. In all of the world, Stuart, not just Carlsbad. <laughs> so we had free reign. It was the 80s. We were, we were free-range kids, right? Like, we had boundaries. You couldn't cross this street. You couldn't cross that street. You couldn't cross this street. You have to be home at a certain time. If you hear the whistle, you better hurry home. And so uh, we would, I was one, one day decided I was going to ride my bicycle to the church, and I was going to talk to Wilson Holman, our preacher who comes to church here sometimes, And I was going to ask him to baptize me. So I ride my bike in, park my bike, go straight past the secretary, straight into the office. And I was like, hey, I want to be baptized. I'm sure I said it a different way, but I plopped myself down. 
we had a conversation, Steve. I don't remember really anything about it except that he wanted me to come back another time. I ride my bike back over there. We talk some more. He calls my mom and said the phrase my mom hated the most, I've got Ross in my office. <laughs> and uh, that Sunday, I was baptized. I, this is what I remember of my baptism. If I'm looking at the, ch- the front of the church, I was kneeling down on the right side at the communion rail. That church had a communion rail. And I was kneeling down, and I remember Wilson took water in his hand and baptized me in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And my name forever changed. Because I was no longer just Ross Gregory Whitaker. I was Ross, I am Ross Gregory sometimes. Martin Luther, there's a story about him that when he would be writing a sermon or translating the Bible from Greek and Hebrew into German, that he would start feeling attacked by the enemy and he would throw his ink pot across the room and yell out, I am baptized. Not I was baptized, but I am baptized. To remind himself that he wasn't just Martin Luther, he was Martin Luther, child of God. And that no principality, no force of evil could come against us. Now, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about evil in the world and whether there's a devil with goat hooves and a black goatee dancing around. I'm not afraid of that thing. But here's what I know. Evil exists and it's real. If you don't know that, watch what's happening in the Middle East right now where they're literally destroying one another over land. If you don't believe that, then think about Columbine and think about Sandy Hook and think about the Pulse nightclub and think about Walmart and think about uh, King Supers. And if you don't believe that, think about all of the children that we know that have been abused and neglected in all kinds of different ways. Evil is real and it exists. But if those of us who go by the last name, child of God, could rise up together, the love that we can share with the world through the power of the Holy Spirit can conquer it all. Because God's love runs rampant. And the hound of heaven is chasing evil away by the second. I believe that. But we have to remember who we are. So morning star. United Methodist Church, or whatever church affiliation you want to go by, friends that are in the room right now, we need to remember who we are and whose we are. So let's take a moment this morning to affirm our faith and remind each other with gusto what it is that we believe. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect in creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, 
to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.